0: Many years ago, the Grand Trunk Railroad sponsored a contest for a phrase to put a sign on a railroad crossing. And many interests were sent in because there was a $2,500 prize. And there were various phrases that came in, some were long, some were short, some were simple and to the point. But the Grand Truck Railroad awarded the $2,500 prize to three simple words. They were, stop, look, and listen. And thanks to the creative simplicity and wisdom of those words, there has been so many lives that have been saved because of those words. And back then, that was was the sign that was posted for all to see. But today, that sign simply says railroad crossing. But we all know to stop, look, and listen. Because I think you guys would agree this morning that that there is power in our words. There is power on what we say. There is power on how we say it, and there's even power in what we don't say. And today, as we continue in our series of 40 Days of Love, we're going to be talking about how to love others with our words. And how do you love when it comes to that all very important subject of communication? Because we all need to recognize, if we don't already, recognize the power of our words. Because have you ever noticed that it's the easiest thing to say the wrong thing? It's just so easy because when it comes to our words, when it comes to communication, a lot of us, including myself, starting with me, just seem, can't seem to get that right. In fact, our key verse for this morning comes from James chapter 3, verse 2, and it's in your outline, and it says, all of us often make mistakes, but if a person never makes a mistake in what he says, he is Perfect. So right off the bat this morning, anybody want to confess that they've said some the wrong things or some dumb things or some stupid things in their life? Anybody? The rest of you are perfect, according to James. I mean, come on, seriously, nobody here has ever asked somebody when they were due only to find out that they were not pregnant? Nobody's here ever done that? I, me either. But I once had a guy ask me if I speak Mexican And we're actually surprised when I said no, because they've heard me speak Mexican before. (laughs) And I had to explain to them that I speak Spanish, not Mexican. But honestly, I have to confess this morning, I've said some pretty dumb things along the way. And my wife is here, so I can't get away with lying about that and saying that I haven't, because she would tell you and she knows firsthand that I can do that. But the truth is, if we're honest this morning, that all of us have said some pretty dumb things, some pretty wrong things, some pretty stupid things. In fact, I would encourage you guys that if you guys belong to a C group, that as your icebreaker in your next C group, next C group, just go around the room and ask, you know, discuss what's the dumbest thing everyone's ever, ever said to you. And you're going to have a great discussion. Because listen to what James says in chapter 3. And here he's talking, as we continue in James right here, he's he's talking about the, the power of our words. And he's talking about our tongues. And he's talking about our mouths. And this is what he says. He says, or think of a ship. Big as it is and driven by such strong winds, it can be steered by a very small rudder. And it goes wherever the pilot wants it to go. So it is with the tongue. Small as it is, it can boast about great things. Just think how large a forest can be set on fire by a tiny flame. And the tongue is like a fire. It is a world of wrong occupying its place in our bodies and spreading evil through the whole being. It sets on fire the entire course of our existence with the fire that comes to it from hell itself. Wow, these are some strong words. We humans are able to tame and have tamed All kinds of creatures, wild animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one has ever been able to tame the tongue. It is evil and uncontrollable, full of deadly poison. We use it to give thanks to our Lord and Father and also curse other people who are created in the likeness of God. Words of thanksgiving and cursing pour out from the same mouth. My friends, that ain't right is what James says. That's my paraphrase, but this shouldn't happen. No spring of water pours out sweet water and bitter water from the same opening. A fig tree, my friends, cannot bear olives. A grapevine cannot bear figs, nor can a salty spring produce sweet water. I mean, you guys have to hear this description. There's some powerful statements that he's making about our words. And James is telling us here that our words are powerful because they direct where we go. It directs where I go. And the picture that he gives us of the, is one of a picture of a rudder and a, on a ship. And we all know that a small rudder can guide an entire big ship. Even a great ocean liner is driven or guided by a small rudder. Our mouths, our words, our conversations, you have to know, is like a rudder in our lives. I mean, how many of us have said something, and the minute we've said it, we know, and we wish we wouldn't have said it. Because we know exactly where it's about to take us. We know the conversation we're about to embark on. And we can feel it. I mean, that's just the power of words. I once met a guy. And the first time I ever met him, he, we, he introduced himself. And he says, hi, my name is Joe. And he, you guys, maybe it's just me. But sometimes I meet somebody and they, they look like a Josh. Or somebody else besides their name. And that in itself is okay. But then I said, nice to meet you, Josh. And his name was Joe. And he was actually angry at me because... I, he just told me his name, but sometimes we, we know we said the right thing right there and there. We know we're about to go somewhere, and, and it's immediate regret. And that's happened to me uh, one time, and I, and I had to say, you know, take it easy, Josh. It's okay, and only made things worse. <laughs> our mouths and our words, they also display who we are. What you are on the inside is shown on the outside by your words. And the picture here that James is giving us is a picture of a mountain spring. And he says that when you go to a mountain spring, if you know that it's good water, then you know that it's good water to drink from. But if you know that it's a contaminated spring, you know not to drink from there. But here's a problem with our words. And this is what James is telling us. He says that good water and contaminated water come out of the same spring, the same mouth. And we've all seen this. You know, one minute we're saying the most beautiful thing, and the next minute one of the ugliest things that you could possibly say to somebody. I mean, where does that come from? How did that happen? And I think if we're all honest with each other this morning, that can be frustrating, and I can attest just for myself that that's frustrating in my life. And look at what Jesus says about communication and where do our w- words come from. He tells us in Matthew that words flow out of what fills the heart, of what fills the heart. You know, saying that whatever is inside the heart is going to spill out in your words, that it's inevitable, that you can try to keep it bottled up, but it's eventually going to spill out in some phrase that you say or some words that you say. But that's not all. There's another truth that Jesus teaches us in Mark. He says, your souls aren't harmed by what you eat, but by what you think and say. So not only does my heart spill out in my words, but then he says that your words spill back into your heart and your soul. And a lot of times we get this reciprocal thing going where you, as an example, might feel anger in your heart. And as a result of that anger, you spill out angry words at somebody. But what Jesus is telling us here is that that instead of feeling better about it, we're just pouring those words back into our heart, making us even angrier. And that leads to bitterness and resentment and on and on and on and on. You know, it's an easy trap to really get caught in. And the question is, how do you change that? Because we, through this series, we have to know, and we're here because God cares about our words, because he cares about the way that he loves us and the way we are to love others. So if we come to God and then we ask him to change our hearts, then what pours out of them is going to change as well. So I don't know about you, but my encouragement in this area is to know that I am not alone. You know, we're going to talk about some specific ways that, that you can love people with your words. And but from the very beginning, I want you guys to know as well and realize that you're not alone in this because we all struggle with this area in our lives. We can all relate and God wants to be the God of this area of your life as well. He wants to redeem it and he wants to vindicate it as well. So with that in mind, let's dive into some very specific ways that you and I can love people with our words. And one of the ways to love people is with honest words. And I think that's where everything starts. This is almost the foundation of everything that we should say. It has to start with truth, with honest words. And that example comes from Jesus. Jesus, God in human flesh, walked this earth, had dozens of conversations, hundreds of conversations. And in those conversations, we see the model and we see that he was the most honest person that walked this earth. So we should turn to the expert to learn from. And you see, he was a, an expert communicator, and he had this honesty about him. And it wasn't a brutal honesty. It was just this clear honesty. It was this kind of honesty that, frankly, changed the world, and it changed everyone who came a, across from him. You know, one time, Jesus said to a group of people that he was talking to, and those people were struggling, and he said, you bunch of hypocrites, he says. And you have to admit, that's pretty honest, right? He just told them what he thought. Another time, one of his very close friends, Peter, one of the disciples, Peter was struggling, and Jesus told him, Satan, get behind me, because he was thinking so wrongly, very honest and tough talk that he gave one of his disciples. Or another time, he said to all of his disciples, he says, oh, you stubborn, faithless people, how long should I put up with you? Would you guys agree that that's a very honest statement? And some of you as parents can probably relate to that because you've been wanting to tell your kids that. Are you stubborn, faithless people? How long should I put up with you? Folks, Jesus was honest, but in a different way than you and I would be honest. You see, Jesus was responding out of honesty, not out of irritation. Jesus was responding not out of anger, but out of what we've been talking about, out of love. So his motivation behind what he said is choosing and choosing those honest words was really important and because of that it should be really important to us as well and what really hit me as I studied this and as I looked at the honesty of and the conversations that Jesus had I realized something in my life through this I realized that it's a lot easier for me to be nice than to be honest and I think most men would fall in that category this morning if you're honest it just is Because for me, if if I'm just being nice, then I don't have to prolong the conversation. Because sometimes to be honest means that you have to talk things through. And I'm just, if I'm just nice, there's not going to be any difficulties along the way. But here's the problem with being nice. See, nice doesn't change anything. Nice doesn't move the relationship ahead or forward. Nice doesn't change the heart of anyone, including yours you don't learn anything by being nice. And Jesus showed that if you want to impact lives, then you have to be, and here's the key, lovingly honest. There's a phrase in Ephesians that talks about how this works. And it's a very simple phrase that says, speak the truth in love. And that's how it works. It takes truth and it takes love. It takes both of those things. One cannot exist without the other. Because, you know, some people, all they have is truth. In fact, If you're a truth giver this morning, you may be appreciating and enjoying what I'm saying right now about Jesus, because you love being honest with people. People need to see that you're telling them the truth because you love them, because you care for them, not just because you want to hurt them or get your way, because it takes truth and it takes love. But the reverse could be true. You know, there's some people that they're all about love, but there's no truth. Maybe there's a, a kernel of truth in the middle of the conversation, but it's wrapped up so nicely in this sweet, uh, sticky love that you can never get any truth out of it. You know, have you ever had a conversation with someone and you're thinking after the conversation, it's like, I know they were trying to tell me something. I just, I just don't know what it was because they wrapped it up so nicely in, in some uh, sweet, sticky love that you can't figure out what they were saying. You know, if that's what's happening to you, maybe you got the love part down. But maybe you need to care enough for people where you need to bring some truth into their lives. Another great verse is in Proverbs. It says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. And we all have people around us that will flatter us. And it makes us feel good inside. But when push comes to shove in those intimate relationships and those really close friendships, what we really need, and honestly, what I really appreciate, and I think you do too, are honest words. Because you want somebody who's going to tell you the truth when you are out of line or when you blast somebody or or when you don't come across right or, or when you have the wrong perspective and you need to be put back into place into the right perspective or to be able to see things clear. And we all need these people in our lives. Maybe it's your spouse, but if you don't have a spouse, there has to be somebody in your life that can help you with that because we all need help in that area. We all need to be able to share honest, loving words because they're important. We just realize that they're powerful. First Corinthians talks about where all this comes from. It says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. This is telling us how we can actually get to that point. It comes from the joy of knowing the truth and saying the truth and what it does in the life of others and what it can do in other people's lives. The excitement about what the truth can do and what a difference it could make, that's where it should stem from. You know, honest words have to start with honesty in our own heart first, right? If I'm trying to be honest with other people, I have to first be honest with myself. And if I'm not, not, then people are going to pick up on that right away. So first I ask myself, have I looked into that area in my own life? Then you can say it to somebody else. So you love people with honest words and then there's a second way. You love people with careful words. Again, words are powerful. So you have to be careful with them. Every one of us, we, we know the impact. And probably been there. We know the impact of the wrong word at the wrong time. And, and there's three areas in our lives. That, I mean, there, there's more. But three areas that I want us to be careful in. Is that I, I encourage you to be careful with your words on. And it's the areas of, of anger. The areas of gossip. And even when we speak too much. Paul in Ephesians says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. You see, anger in communication can really work its way through and ruin things. I think you guys would agree with that as well. We've all experienced arguments, especially in our close relationships, because we all argue. And some of us tend to treat our arguments like if it's a battlefield you know, we all respond differently to battlefields. Some of us want to dig a foxhole, and that means that we, we like to clam up, and we wait, and we watch, and we're just waiting for the right time to strike. And some of us in our battlefields, in our arguments, we decide to store up. It means that we're going to create this munitions dump, and so we can store up all this stuff that has been hurting us and bothering us. And then one day, one day, we're going to ha- let them have it all at once. But I think my favorite kind of battlefield arguing is artillery. You know, the, when, when you just bring out the big guns all the time, you don't save anything up. So you let it all on the line. You use it in every single argument. And it, typically, your anger exceeds the level of the offense or, or the situation. And when we treat, here's a, here, here's a point to that, is that when we treat communication like a battleground, and we think that somebody has to win and somebody has to lose, well, guess what? We both lose, or maybe the whole family loses, or, or all parties lose. Notice the scripture says, do not give the devil a foothold when you get angry, because we all get angry. We all have arguments. So how do we not let Satan win or get a foothold? Well, it tells us very clearly in the scripture. It says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. That's the key. That's how you deal with this. And you may even hear these words at a wedding toast, you know, don't go to bed angry, which are, we think, you know, that's some really nice advice, but folks, this is not just some nice advice. This is a commandment from God because he loves us and he knows us and he knows how we're wired. And if we go to bit angry and we let it get to the next day, anger starts to turn to bitterness and then starts to turn to resentment. And you guys, you guys get the point. It gets harder and harder and harder to solve. You know, and the Bible doesn't say that you have to solve it immediately, right there and then. Sometimes you have to take a walk. Sometimes you have to count to ten. But the point is that you deal with it before the next day. But you deal with it, and if you don't, I mean, God says that you're giving Satan a foothold. And when you do that, it's, it's a very dangerous and slippery slope. Will Rogers once said, be careful of the words you say. Keep them soft and sweet. You never know from day to day which ones you'll have to eat. It's a very good thing to remember this morning. And another area that we need to be careful in, that we need to use careful words, is in the area of gossip. And we all know that gossip is a sin, but we tend to think that maybe it's one of those small little sins, kind of like we think of a white lie that it's not that big of a deal. But as you read God's word, you learn that gossip is right up there with sexual immorality and murder. God puts them all on the same list. Now, I know none of us here are interested in gossip. I know that. None of us would ever look at the gossip magazine while we're in the check stand line at the grocery store. None of us even look at the headlines, right? That's not this service. The first service does that. <laughs> but in church we have our own little version. We call it prayer request. And what happens is we say, hey, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Let's pray for them. And then we proceed to spill all the beans about the situation or that person. But here's some great advice that I once heard about gossip. Don't share anything with someone who is not part of the problem or part of the solution. And that's kind of a way to deal with gossip in our own life. We have to realize uh, the importance of not having the National Inquirer prayer meetings. We have to realize that that's important. Because look what Proverbs says. It says that a gossip separates close friends. You know, there's a lot of areas of gossip to, to work on in our lives. And it disrupts relationships. You know, anger does. Gossip does. And then there's a third way that we have to be careful with words on. And that's frankly just saying too much. You know, words are so dangerous that saying too much can get you in trouble. In fact, Proverbs says that watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. There's another great verse in Proverbs that says, even fools are taught to be wise when they keep silent. When they keep their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. So you guys want to seem intelligent in your next business meeting? Walk into the meeting, don't say a word, walk out and they'll be saying, that guy was brilliant just because of the way you listen. But seriously, that's the power of keeping your mouth shut. You do that by loving people with honest words, by loving people with careful words. And there's a third way. You love people with building works, words that build up. Paul, again, in Ephesians, tells us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So ask yourself, are my words building others? Are they building other people up according to their needs? Because you see, words can either build up or they can tear down. Words can build a marriage relationship or it can tear down a marriage relationship. Words, you see, can build a child's self-esteem or it can tear it down. Words can build a relationship with a coworker who you're trying to share, share Jesus with or it can also tear it down. So we have to stop and we have to think, is this going to build up or is it going to tear down? Is this what the other person needs to hear or is it just something that I want to tell them or share with them to get my way or for whatever reason? And notice this verse tells us not to let any unwholesome or another way of saying that not to let any unhelpful talk come out of our mouths. And when you think about unwholesome talk, the first thing that comes to my mind, I, I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes to my mind is curse words, right, or, or swear words. And obviously words that demean another person is not helpful. but that's not, that's, all, that's not all that's here. You know, in fact, you can take almost any word in the English language and begin to use it in a conversation or in a relationship as a trigger word, words like, fine, You're having an argument. Somebody says, fine. That's a trigger word for me. Somebody says, you never, you always, you should, you shouldn't. Those aren't curse words. Might as well be sometimes. One of the best things to consider in this area is to think before we speak. And folks, I pray this a lot. I've memorized it because I'm I'm telling you, I struggle with this. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen. And slow to speak. And one thing that I came across that has been helpful to me in this area is an acrostic that I found on the word think. Think before you speak. Where the T stands for, is it truthful? Before you say something, ask yourself, is it truthful? Is it the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? Or, or are you twisting it a little bit to kind of fit what you're trying to accomplish? Is it an attitude that makes you look better? Or is it the truth? The truth. Is it helpful, is the age? Or is it going to harm them? Is it going to build them up? Is it inspirational? Is it going to build up or is it going to tear down? Is it going to give people hope and encouragement and make them want to move forward in their life? Is it necessary? And this is that thing about talking too much. You know, some things are not necessarily wrong to say. There's nothing wrong with saying them but they're just not necessary. Is it kind? That's a big one to ask. Is it kind? Because love, which, what we're talking about in this series, love is kind. You know, there's a great power in reflecting before you react and thinking before you speak. Even if you don't remember this acrostic, just trying to remember the acrostic before you say something is going to give you some time to reflect and think. So, as we close this morning, I want us to just realize a couple of things. And I'm speaking for myself this morning, and maybe you can agree with this. But this is an area in my life where I think we all struggle with. And it's such an important area. It just bewilders me that we can be praising God up here with our words. And then later on, I might be snappy with my wife or my kids or a coworker or whatever and it is comes out of the same well it comes out of the same mouth and that just i can't wrap myself my hands around that it. it's just frustrating but when i realize that through this series of love i realize that the whole point to what james is telling us here and all this scripture is telling us is, is that it's pointing us to the cross then we realize that we don't we're not supposed to do this in our own power that we're supposed to come to terms with the fact that god has to redeem it and vindicate it so that we can ask god for that help, because the first thing we have to realize is that we can't do it on our own. I think you guys would agree that this is a hard area to master. So we need God in this area. I mean, we need God for everything, but this area, man, we need God. So this morning, let's ask God to strengthen us this morning with kind words. The Bible says that kind words have the power to transform worry into joy. That is how powerful words are. Let's ask God to strengthen us with gentle words. Gentle words have the power to break through anger. They're incredibly powerful. Harsh words are easy. Have you guys noticed that? I, I, we can spill harsh words easily. That's, sometimes it comes natural for us. But gentle words, those take courage. Those take wisdom. They take discernment. They, they, it takes incredible strength to say gentle words. Let's ask God this morning to strengthen us with pleasant words. Pleasant words you see encourage learning. You know, a lot of times when you're trying to help somebody learn and they're not getting it, the first thing we do is we raise our voice, thinking that that's going to help them get it. We've all done this, but it's pleasant words that promote instruction. Maybe what we need is this morning to help, ask God to help us in strength and strengthen is something we already talked about. Maybe We need to ask God to help us strengthen with honest words. Folks, honest words make people feel loved. When somebody flatters you, maybe the first time you think, wow, that was pretty cool, it makes me feel good. But when you realize that that person is a flatterer, you probably don't even pay attention to them anymore. And if you find somebody who takes the risk of being honest with you and you start to feel love and you start to build trust, because the Bible says that an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And it's talking about a kiss of friendship here. And maybe what we need this morning is to ask God to help us strengthen us with wise words. And we're talking about words that come from God, that comes from his word, that come from the works that you've uh, read about and experienced. You see, wise words can heal a broken heart. Again, that is the power of words. It has the power to heal a broken heart, the power to promote learning in somebody's life, to break through any anger they may be facing. So in light of that, I don't know about you, but but I need that help this morning. I need to come before God and realize that I can't do it on my own, so I need to just come and bring it to his feet and ask, Father, just help me, transform me, transform my heart so that everything that spills out of my heart is different and is in line and in tune with you. So in light of that, I encourage you this morning just to pray a simple prayer this morning and just repeat it after me in your own heart. So while we do that, I want you to close your eyes and, and bow your heads. And I just invite you to join me in this prayer. And if that's you, and if God's been speaking to you in any of these areas, I just ask that you would just say, Father, do something with my words this week. Instead of me trying to control my tongue, Father, I, I just give it to you, and I'm going to trust you to take care of that area, Father. Give me everything I need to be able to accomplish that. Father, I am trusting you to guide my words I'm asking for your help. I am asking for your strength. I am asking for your courage to be able to persevere in this area of my life. Lord, guide me into honest words. Words of love. Guide me into careful words. Careful words of love. Guide me into building words of love. Father, I am asking for your help because I know that you love me. Lord, and you're asking me to love others in this way. Lord, and we ask all these things in in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.